Hello and welcome everyone to the Aussie MMA panel. You're here with Paolo and Aaron. Uh, this is episode three and uh, we're going to be talking about the, the latest uh, fights that have just happened, which is on fight night. Uh, one was on the S- September 16th with Hunt versus Olenek and we have Anders versus Santos, which happened on the 23rd of September. Uh, Aaron's going to kick it away with um, some of his his views, <coughs> some of my insights. his insights, his professional insights. So, uh, Aaron, once again, yeah. go for it. Uh, thank you for uh, coming back, listeners. Uh, we have uh, we had a bit of a, a slobber knocker of a card <laughs> in Russia. First ever card in uh, in Russia for the UFC. Headlines by Mark Hunt and uh, Olenek and. Uh, if you were listening to the last podcast, I actually picked uh, Mark Hunt to win that, and unfortunately, he got choked out. And uh, and I think I actually said he would win by a submission, yeah. and that is exactly what happened, and uh, it didn't take too long to happen also. Yes. Round one, only 38 seconds. No, 38 seconds left in the round. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, sorry. So yeah, sorry. Yeah, it was too. Basically, Mark Hunt was actually doing quite well in that. He was landing heavy leg, leg kicks. Uh, he actually hit Olenek clean. And amazingly, Olenek did not go down. So, He's Russian, man. Yeah, but you, you don't see many people get hit clean by Mark Hunt. And not, it didn't even look like it phased him, which was amazing. Mind-blowing. So I thought he was actually in a bit of trouble once that happened. Um, and uh, Olenek, yeah, just managed to get the fight to the floor. He rocked Hunt. Um, hit him with a nice combination. Yep. I think it was a left hook that um, that wobbled him a bit, and then once he was wobbled, Olenek lived up to his name of the boa constrictor and choked out Mark Hunt, which was uh, unfortunate to see because Mark Hunt is a uh, you know he's an ambassador for Australia, even though his um, his background is uh, well I'm sure Polynesian. He's, he's so Polynesian, so. Um, yeah, he's, uh, he's the Super Samoan, but he comes from New Zealand, I do believe. So, yeah, unfortunate, uh, but it was a good win for Olenek. Let's see how he goes uh, in his next fight. I'm not sure who he's lined up to fight yet. Uh, and then we had the co-main event, which was uh, <coughs> Jan Blankovic versus Nikita Krylov. Uh, so that was actually, I thought that was quite a uh, evenly matched up fight to begin with. Um, Blankovic uh, had a little bit more experience uh, in the UFC and uh, yeah went out and got the win he just uh, seemed to have too much for Krylov I don't know if it was uh, too big of a task with his first fight back in the UFC to um, to take on the uh, number four ranked uh, light heavyweight so um, yeah it should be interesting I feel like Blankovic is uh, probably going to get some form of um, either number one contender fight or he's he's got to get something good because he's the number four ranked guy. So. Well, it's actually looking good because now we're actually starting to see some contenders actually arise in this uh, weight category because it's been a very long time since this weight class had some real decent contenders. Yeah, true. Uh, obviously, you have DC being champ and John Jones being the, uh, the real champ. Yeah. But um, <laughs> you, you can... There hasn't really been too many people that can uh, live on that sort of level. And uh, we've got Stofferson and a few others coming through the ranks like Jan. Or yeah. Jan. Um, it's it's getting a little bit more exciting. So hopefully in the next, let's say, year or two, there's going to be some some seriously good fights. Uh, yeah. with, especially if Jones comes back and you know um, defends his title. 
or wins his title, whichever way you want to look at it. Yeah, uh, it's we'll going to be more exciting. Talk about that a little bit later in the yeah. podcast. Yeah, yeah, getting a bit good carried away, but yeah. Nah, we'll, yeah. we'll go um, through some uh, some local MMA news. Um, but yeah, they were the main two fights uh, within the uh, within the podcast. Sorry, within the um, the fight night. Within the fight night that um, that seemed to uh, tickle our fancy. Uh, Olofsky fought uh, Shamil. Uh, I'm not going to attempt to pronounce his last Abdura name. Himrov. Yeah. Abdura Himrov. Yeah. Uh, and that was, um, look, for a heavyweight fight, it, was, uh, it wasn't the most exciting fight. Uh, they a bit back and forth. I think Olofsky uh, struggled to, uh, to get his punches off. He just didn't seem to be able to get his distance properly. Um, and uh, yeah, it was a little bit underwhelming. But props to uh, Shamil for winning. It's a good, always good to get a win over Olovsky. He's a um, he's a well-known fighter, so and he's a bit of a gatekeeper. Yeah, he's definitely yeah. a bit of a gatekeeper. So if you can't beat him, then you're not really going to get into the top ten. So um, yeah, things could be looking up for him. And then we also had uh, a fight before that, which uh, had Tiago Alves, who was um, a perennial contender in. Uh, in the welterweight division, uh, challenged GSP back in the day. That was and, many, uh, many moons ago now. He's fallen from the graces since then. Yeah, and uh, he's uh, he took on uh, Alexei Kunchenko, who um, who had a, a similar kind of kickboxing style. Uh, they had a very um, very tight matchup, but Kunchenko seemed to land the uh, the cleaner cleaner strikes and had. Uh, have better control of the octagon, so I think that's uh, partially why he got the got the nod in that fight. So good to it's always good to pick up a win against a veteran because uh, there's name value there for the um, for the the hardcore fans and uh, and also there's um, people always underestimate the uh, the level of experience that a lot of these veterans have and sometimes when they're savvy and they've got that experience, it can. Uh, it can add an extra dimension to uh, who you're fighting. So, uh, so yeah, good win for him. So, yeah, I think uh, that pretty much wraps up uh, wraps up Hunt versus Oleneck. Yeah, just one more thing. Uh, Hunt has one more fight left on his contract uh, with the UFC. Yeah. And uh, he has planned to, as part of the news, uh, he has planned to uh, fight that last fight in, I think it's going to be Adelaide. Yes, yeah, so yeah. Adelaide. Yeah, uh, so later in the year, there's a... Uh, a card in December that's headlined by um, JDS Junior Dos Santos versus Ty Tuabase, so another local boy. So, um, so yeah, that's a that's a pretty heavy headliner. Um, and uh, Hunt's going to be fighting Justin Willis, uh, who's um, undefeated in the UFC. I think he's three and zero, so it's no give me. Uh, it's uh, it should be a good challenge for him, um, and. Yeah, there's a couple of other good fights on that card too. Tyson Pedro, who's another up-and-coming Australian fighter in the light heavyweight division, is going to be versing Shogun. So that's a good challenge for him. Uh, good to see where he's at in the division because Shogun's a bit of a gatekeeper at the moment too. And then you've also got the flyweights. Uh, ben Newen, uh, who's another Aussie representative, which there will be a lot on the Adelaide card. Yeah. Uh, he's versing Wilson, uh, Wilson Reyes, who uh, challenged... Demetrius Johnson for the title not too long ago. So, um, yes, there's some good fights on that card. So it's good to see Mark Hunt uh, possibly fighting out his contract in Australia. Uh, it will, uh, 
yeah, it should be a good fight. So hopefully he gets up and wins for his last fight. Well, maybe another, maybe another walk off KO to uh, finish the career. <laughs> that would be pretty cool. That'd yeah. be a good way to uh, to get it down, especially with all the adversity that Mark Hunt's gone through throughout his career. So looking forward to discussing that card later on in the year on a later podcast. Uh, now we can move forward to, to UFC Fight Night. Uh, it was for us. It was on the Sunday, uh, September twenty third. Uh, which was exactly a week ago now. Um, so the main event uh, being uh, Santos versus um, uh, Anders. Now these both these guys are actually middleweights, yeah. and uh, they've both fought at uh, light heavyweight. And man, they are big boys. <laughs> they, you know, um, Aaron and I were just watching the fight just a, maybe an hour ago now. And you can see in the when they're up against the cage or um, in particular positions, they were they. I mean, they look like big heavyweights, ripped heavyweights. Mm. So neither of them uh, were undersized for this fight. Um, but in the end, uh, Tiago, being the extreme fast twitch guy he was, he was just just throwing those strikes, and he landed enough, especially in that that last brutal. Well, he took him down. But uh, Andy was just tired, and he just landed uh, just a bunch of strikes on the floor uh, from uh, an unusual position and just took him out. It's actually happened a few times lately, hasn't it? Yeah, definitely. It's, um, yeah, both these guys came in on short notice. Uh, the original fight for this card um, was, I think it was supposed to be Jimmy Manoa, versus, mm. um, but it was supposed to be versus someone else. And then Tiago Santos stepped up to fight Jimmy Manoa. Yeah. Um, and then Jimmy Manoa dropped out and Eric Anders stepped up. So neither of these blokes uh, were necessarily in full fight camp uh, condition. And that so, showed. Yeah. yeah they, showed. Were definitely, yeah, they definitely looked like they were tiring a little bit and uh, they were both going for broke, which, uh, which is always entertaining for the fans. Um, but it just looked like Tiago Santos had a little bit more of the killer instinct, a um, little bit... Uh, bit more precise with his shots and a bit more devastating with his power and that final fight ending sequence where uh, Anders was trying to get the takedown had his head in a bad position and Santos was raining down with uh, elbows to the side of the head seemed to um, seemed to be the big difference I mean Eric Anders he seems to have a better wrestling wrestling pedigree but I just don't think he had the stamina to to beat Santos I think Santos is a big strong dude and um, I mean, I'm looking at the stats. He did have five takedowns in that fight, so yeah, definitely. it wasn't it wasn't like he wasn't using, utilizing wrestling. It was actually a pretty decently even fight. Uh, but then it started going one way when Santos just started landing a bit more, and Eric Anders. I think he could. I think he can actually. I think he was taking taking the shots quite well, but I just think he got tired. I don't feel like he had the endurance. I feel like that fight could be a bit more interesting if they both had full training camps and if they were both fighting at middleweight. But since that victory, um, Tiago Santos has said that he wants to stay at light heavyweight and I believe they are going to run the, the fight against uh, Jimmy Manoa again. So that should be interesting. Well, I was actually mentioning to Paul a bit earlier while we were watching some fights before the podcast saying that I think it's a bit of a hasty decision saying that you want to stay at light heavyweight when you actually haven't fought a light heavyweight fighter because Eric Anders is also a middleweight fighter. So it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how he actually 
uh, goes against a legit light heavyweight fighter because um, Jimmy Manoa, he's a big boy, he has big power, and if you stand in the pocket with him, uh, a lot of the time there's going to be lights out. And I'm, I know Santos is a killer, but... Um, I think Jimmy Manoa has better boxing skills. Definitely. I think he keeps it tighter. And I think that if he was to go into exchanges with Santos, I think it would be brutal. Yeah. I think they'd both be landing, but I think that the shorter, sharper, more accurate punches will be landed by Jimmy. I can be proven wrong, but from what I've seen with Santos, he's definitely an athlete, but I don't think he has that crisp um, accuracy and, and, and boxing. I just don't think he has it. But overall, he's, he's definitely a good prospect for... For either middleweight. He's definitely a huge... I don't know how he gets down to middleweight. Um, uh, <laughs> a lot of uh, starving himself, I'm sure. It's oh, man. He's, he's carrying a lot of muscle mass. So I just... Yeah. I, I don't know. It's, it's funny to see how that guy gets down to middleweight. Um, but yeah, light heavyweight could be a better choice. However, he's not tested, like you said. So... Yeah, we'll have to yeah. see next time he gets into the yeah. Are they uh, they signing a contract anytime soon? Anytime I, soon? I believe so, but I'm That'd not be good. 100% sure for which event yet. Yeah, so. and I think Anders, Anders should keep his chin high. I think he has a good future, especially with his wrestling background. Uh, and I, I still think he can actually get somewhere. I think he just needs to obviously have the right training and, and prepare for the right... You have to pick your opponents. Yeah. If you're in the UFC... For a big, uh, big opportunity. You got, unless you are extremely talented, um, you know, there's certain certain fighters that can be, but even the best ones have gone through certain fights that build them up. You don't want to just take on the big boys straight away because they'll beat you with the, their experience. Well, that's but the, um, that's if Anders is brought up right, he's, he's definitely got a good base. He just needs to be coached right yeah. and go through proper training camps and I think he'll be, have a good future. Definitely. We'll see how he goes. Well, that's the, the risk of the, um, the short notice fight. Um, yeah. Big risk, big reward. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm so sure he got paid and, well, you know, probably, probably, well, we obviously got paid more than he wouldn't have. So that's yeah. probably why he took it. Um, but we'll see how he goes. And then also co-main event was uh, Cowboy Oliveira <laughs> um, versus uh, Pedasoli. Uh, Who'd you pick, Aaron? Uh, I believe I would definitely have picked Oliveira, uh, considering that uh, Pedasoli was. Um, I think you chose Pedasoli. <laughs> I really do. I I'll, no I'll go back and I'll confirm that another time on a different 100%, podcast. I definitely didn't pick Pedasoli because I knew Oliveira was a ranked fighter. I know that he is a wild fighter, and I hadn't even heard of Pedasoli when uh, this fight was. Um, it, it, didn't, it didn't last a minute. Yeah, so Pedersoli was a little bit, um, I don't know, a little bit too relaxed in the cage and, uh, and Oliveira hit him with a big, or caught one of his kicks and then counted him and then it was all over with some vicious ground and pounds yeah. and hammer fists. So. Yeah, uh, Italian fighters just don't, don't make it in the UFC. Yeah, we need some Italian fighters out there to prove Paul or wrong and to prove yeah. that, that there are some tough Italian fighters. And not saying Pedersoli is not tough, but well, let's let's change it from tough to um, successful, to very successful. Yeah. Why is he not successful? Because he was eleven. I think he was eleven and one before that fight, uh, or eleven and zero, something along those lines. So um, yeah, well, uh, hopefully he can. Uh, take on someone a little bit more to his uh, his level of expertise and uh, work his way back up. So there he goes. Uh, and then uh, we also had uh, Albie, uh, Sam Albie versus Little Nog, uh, which was a um, which was a bit of a sloppy 
slobber knocker. Um, Look, it was an okay fight. I, yeah. I mean, Nog is, isn't that impressive to watch, but he gets the job done. Yeah. Um, Pretty sure all his wins in the octagon have come by a knockout. Yeah. Um, so he's got some heavy hands. He's a big guy. Yeah. Uh, and um, and it, you know what? That would have been a good fight to watch live. If you were in the arena, seeing those two throwing those big left hands. You know what? Alvy actually other. caught him a few times. Yeah. I was actually I, impressed that he actually landed on such an experienced opponent. Yeah. However, you know, Nog just... Being Nog, he just walked through it. Just and, had a better chin. Yeah. yeah, well, they're known for his, he's known for his chin, yeah. and, the no, and the Nogs are known for their chins. Definitely. Uh, so, yeah, so that was a good, uh, good stoppage win for Nog. Uh, then Renan Brow. Yeah, Hennan Brow. Is it Hennan? Yeah, oh, okay. fair I'm enough. I'm not sure if, um, yeah, how that works, but Hennan Brow uh, versus uh, Ewell, I believe. And, um, yeah, Hennan Brow... What a story. Years ago, uh, pound for pound, best fighter on the planet, claimed by Dana White, uh, undefeated, um, just on a tear, 35 win streak, uh, beating all the best, and since those two losses to TJ Dillashaw, uh, he's, he's kind of had that similar thing that happened to JDS, that happened to Big Nog, they, they had those matches against those devastating fighters and uh, has never looked the same since. And now he's, um, yeah, he's... He's pretty much on his way out, if yeah, not out. Yeah, I would borderline suggest that um, he considers maybe going over to Bellator, uh, where his name value might be able to be worth a little bit more in regards to um, the skill sets he'll be reversing because... The bantamweight vision's too deep for him, uh, and he also missed weight by six pounds or five pounds, something like that. So he's not even making the weight, and he's struggling against someone who is a newcomer to the UFC. And then if he goes to featherweight, oh, there are some killers and there are some big guys there, like him versus Ortega. That's not even going to be a close match. Him versus Holloway, not. It's not. No, I mean not in the top ten, really. So, yeah, he's he's got no real direction, yeah. and I think you know it's either hang up the boots, yeah. or really sit down and find out what's going on. So he needs to have that heavy talk with his coaches, yeah. or mix it up, go to a new training camp, uh, get some new ideas, fresh ideas, rejuvenate. Uh, sometimes we get stuck in a rut. We've got the same people around us telling us the same things. Uh, I'm not 100 percent sure if that's what's happening with him. This is all just. Uh, Injection. PSA, but yep. at the end of the day, he's not getting the results he needs. So, um, you know, good luck to him and hopefully, uh, yeah, he'll go go from there. I think so, that's... Yeah. Do you want to cover any other fights? I think that's well, the main ones that most yeah, people want to hear about. I wanted to mention was on the, uh, on the prelims, there was uh, Charles Oliveira. Oh, of course, uh, yeah. And um, yeah. he actually, It's Christos. Yeah, congratulations to Charles Oliveira. He just broke... Uh, the record for the most submission victories in the UFC. Uh, he now holds 11 submission victories in his uh, in his 12 fights that he has won. Um, so that's a pretty amazing feat. He's beaten uh, Hoist Gracie, who uh, is one of the greatest MMA fighters ever to live. Uh, one of the pioneers in MMA and for the UFC. Uh, if you don't know who Hoist Gracie is, 
uh, get on YouTube and have a look how he uh, he fared in UFC one and back in the day. Um, yeah, one of the uh, original BJJ legends. So for someone to break that record in modern day MMA, it's uh, it's a pretty amazing feat. Uh, so uh, yeah, well done, Charles. Yeah, well done to Charles, and he said that he wants to move back to one forty five. Uh, he said uh, he has missed weight a few times, which is what prompted him to go up to 155. And he's been three and one since he's been at 155. So. And if you're out there, Charles, and you're listening, you're welcome to come on the podcast oh, and tell that. us about your 11 submissions yeah. and hopefully 12 yeah. by the time you come on the podcast, that's, maybe 13. Who knows? That's exactly right. Yeah. So he reckons he's got um, new team, uh, new training methods. So he, look at 145. He's uh, he could be a force if he can if he can make the. Uh, make the weight because I think he's a little bit small to be a 155 there's some big guys in that division you've got like yeah. Paul Felder and, and uh, obviously Conor McGregor Khabib Nurmagomedov they're all big guys so I don't see how he stacks up uh, extremely well no I think his, his build's a little bit too light for yeah, that yeah. Um, he doesn't have to frame for he's, he's got a he's got a long lean build but it's not it's not big enough to be in the, the higher weight I don't think anyway no yeah. I agree with you there um, so yeah that pretty much wraps up the uh, that fight night card, and then we can uh, move across to a couple of the fights that we saw in uh, in Bellator. Yeah. Um, so the Bellator two hundred six was today, uh, with the main event uh, being uh, Rory McDonald. Oh, Rory McDonald versus Gaga Musashi. Uh, he says Musashi. I say Musashi. Okay. So Musashi, listeners, Musashi, you can say it any way you want. That's right. Well, the way that Gaga says it is. Way to say it. So, oh, is Gagar calling himself Musashi? I'm not sure, to be honest. I, okay. I don't think he talks about himself in the third person that often. But yeah. We'll see. Um, but uh, yeah, so that was a uh, that was an interesting main event. Um, you know, I did hear uh, Faraz Zahabi uh, talking before before that fight, saying that uh, they thought Rory would have a speed advantage. Um, that hopefully that would dictate the fight. Uh, but unfortunately for Rory, after the first um, first round, which was uh, virtually a feeling out process for both fighters, they both landed a few a few decent hits. But um, yeah, he came out and he uh, he made a mistake in the in the second round. He shot a um, shot a really low takedown attempt, uh, which he didn't really set up. It looked like he hit his forehead on the floor doing it. Yeah. It was a very poor attempt. I, You know, not very Rory McDonald-like. It was. It seemed very amateur, the way he did it. Maybe he was tired, maybe he was desperate, uh, maybe a bit of both, probably. Um, but, yeah, but that was kind of the end for him. Yeah. It didn't, I mean, it, I mean, Masasi, he's not the type of guy that you want to be making silly amateur mistakes against. Uh, he's had what 50 fights yeah he's so, had 50 fights he's only lost 6 of them yeah um, and he's been fighting uh, top level guys for the past decade uh, so yeah so I think the uh, the middleweight experiment for Rory McDonald is uh, is over for the time being um, and he I looked think, terrible though like he did not look like a well beater well, it wasn't. I it wasn't even close. It was too. It was too deep. Uh, Bellator was trying to have a super fight, which is a, which is a good thing. It um, it promotes the sport. It's what we we do like to see those super fights too. Uh, they're two best champions fighting each other, but I think it just shows the difference between a um, you know the 
quite possibly the number one middleweight in the world versus quite possibly the number one welterweight in the world. So there's still a 15 pound difference or seven kilo difference between those two guys. And, um, and I think Musashi showed his uh, experience and uh, his size advantage tonight. And um, he capitalized on that mistake and he, he, um, he busted up Rory McDonald, ground and pound. It was, uh, it was all over. Do you have a uh, prediction on if uh, Masasi ever fought uh, Whitaker, which is the current champion, who would actually come out on top? Five round fight championship. Five round fight championship. Both full, um, yeah. full training camps. Both yeah. going in as injury free as an MMA fighter can be. I would be siding with Masashi on the experience and on the skill set. I think he matches up. Uh, well with Whitaker, I think he has just as crisp striking, if not better. I think he has a, um, a better grappling game. And uh, I think, yeah, obviously, there's always the... Um, Whitaker has like quite heavy hands and, um, and, and good striking prowess. So there's always that uh, side of things that could go against him. But yeah, I'd be saying probably Musashi by decision. Uh, go to five rounds because it's very hard to put Whitaker away. If Yol Romero can't put you away, there's not many people who can. So I just think uh, Masashi would uh, would mix up the fight well and uh, and go in there with a good strategy. So very good. Yourself. Um, look, I, I think I'd have to side you with that on that one. I'd have to side with you because I think Musa or Gegard would actually be able to. I think outpoint him. Uh, I think even though Whitaker is the younger of the two and probably a little bit faster, I think the the all-round game that Musasi or Gagard would show and have, uh, just being in those tight situations, I think he would be able to, I suppose, just win on points. Yeah. I don't feel like he'd knock him out. I think, once again, I think Yoel Romero can't knock out Whitaker. I don't think many people can. Um, but obviously it can be done. Well, he's not renowned for his one-punch knockout power. Mm. Obviously, he's capable of it against um, lesser fighters, but tends to be more of... Uh, like a rock hole, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> he's a, he accumulates strikes and then knocks you out, like he did with Rory McDonald. He accumulated strikes and then he got the ground and pound. Yeah. I think if he was going to finish Whitaker, he'd probably be more likely uh, get him in some sort of submission, like a rear naked choke. Or it would be uh, accumulating punishment on the ground to get a TKO victory. So I think it's more likely to uh, be a decision victory. But unfortunately, we're probably not going to see that fight. Ever. Uh, yeah. Unless there is some major changes in the next couple of years in MMA and we start seeing cross-promotion with UFC and Bellator. Mm. Or Musashi or the UFC decides, oh, we want to pay this guy more money to get him back because he is legit one of the best middleweights in the world. So, um, yeah. There's a big loss on their part. But moving on. um, So, one of my favorite fighters back in the day, Mr. Rampage himself versus Wanderlei, or Wanderlei Silva. Um, I didn't really want to see this fight again because I think it was going to be quite definitive on what was going to happen. Um, But um, both fighting at heavyweight, (laughs) which is interesting. Because he's such a, I always thought that Rampage should have been a heavyweight his whole career. I uh, don't, don't think he was the right fit for light heavyweight, even though he did um, become champion. Yeah. Um, I still feel feel like he should have been a heavyweight. His style, 
and the way his mentality is, he would have been a much better heavyweight than he was light heavyweight. Yeah, I um, tend to agree with you there. Uh, but anyway, it's he's obviously in the twilight right now. But he he's done well against uh, Vendelay Silva. It was actually entertaining uh, to to watch. Um, he's still got Chris boxing. Mm. He's still really good. He's yeah. still really good. He's still, he's got good head movement. He he blocks well. He moves well uh, for punches. That is. Yeah. And I mean, Vandley was never going to try to grind him to the floor nah, and work his technical game on the floor. Nah, uh, so it was always going to be a stand-up fight. And Rampage, once again, like he did many years ago, I can't remember how many years ago it was when he knocked him out uh, in the UFC. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's done it again, and it was with a brutal, brutal. <laughs> uh, I think it was a straight right or was it an overhand right? I can't remember right oh, now. Yeah, it was. It landed flush, and he only landed flush with a one-two combination, which was probably about a minute before. Uh, so he put him away definitively in the second round. Uh, it was good to watch. Yeah, Vandalay's still got a hell of a chin. <laughs> he Take does those heavy punches, and um, as Paula was mentioning before, I think uh, yeah, Rampage Jackson definitely would have been a much better heavyweight. It's a uh, it's a division where you can be a little bit more one-dimensional, and. Um, yeah, I think uh, it's yeah. It's unfortunate he didn't make the move sooner, uh, but yeah, it was good. It was. Uh, it's nice to see the the veterans getting in there, the uh, the MMA alumni uh, <laughs> going in there and and throwing down uh, for the fans. And I think that's a lot of what Bellator brings these days is they bring that uh, that mixture of um, a little bit of uh, sentimental fighters uh, coming back getting the getting the fans over who um, who used to love rampage such as Paulo and myself and and some of the fo- people who used to love Vandalay uh, Silver from back in the pride days would you say it's nostalgia or yeah, is it is it old enough to be called yeah, nostalgia it is nostalgia 100% okay nostalgia yeah. and um, and then mixing that up with some uh, really high quality fighters such as Musashi and uh, McDonald and yeah. also um, Similar to the uh, the next two fighters we're going to discuss, uh, Douglas Lima versus uh, Koroshev. Koroshkov. 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 Yeah. It's it's a uh, it's not on one to. Yeah. Go um, for it. Yeah. So basically, uh, that was the first fight in the uh, in the welterweight world Grand Prix that Bellator's having at the moment, and that Grand Prix is actually a pretty awesome Grand Prix. Um, you've got, well, you've got 10 fighters in total, but there's an alternate fight, which has uh, Lorenz Larkin versus uh, Amosov. Uh, I haven't seen Amosov fight before, but I know Lorenz Larkin has some serious power in his hands. Oh, yeah. Um, he's a, a legit kickboxing fiend. Uh, he's knocked out some pretty heavy guys in, uh, in the UFC, and... Um, and now he's on the Bellator roster, so that's a that's a good alternative to come in if anyone gets injured. Um, the other pairings uh, we have uh, Paul Daly versus uh, Michael Venom Page. Uh, that's going to be um, an amazing fight because Paul Daly has one of the best left uh, left hooks in MMA, and uh, Michael <coughs> Venom Page is. Uh, is a phenomenal fighter. He has that uh, Anderson Silva style aura of um, of invincibility at the moment. So it's going to be good to see how he's tested against a real legit killer uh, with Daly. 
Uh, and then you've also got Rory McDonald, who's the champ at welterweight, is fighting John Fitch. And John Fitch is no easy fight for anyone. John Fitch is the, uh, the epitome of a grinder. He is going to go in there. You know exactly what John Fitch is going to do. He has one game plan. And spinning heel kicks. <laughs> <laughs> if he throws a spinning heel kick, oh, I don't know what I'll do. Um, yeah, John Fitch is going to go in there. He's going to get in your face. He's going to try and make it dirty. He's going to try and take you down. He's going to ground and pound. Uh, he's going to try and hold position. Uh, so if he can do that against Rory McDonald, he deserves his spot in the uh, in the welterweight Grand Prix. I really don't see that happening. I Even though I just saw Rory look like shit in that fight against yeah. um, Gagard, I really don't see John Fitch dominating Rory for you know however many rounds it's going to be scheduled for. Nah, it um, should be a five round fight, I think. Yeah, if it's a five round fight, I really don't see twenty five minutes of Fitch on top nah. getting the victory because I don't feel like he will get the victory any other way else. Well, he just actually beat Paul Daly in his first fight. But da- yeah, and but yeah, Daly, Daly has come on, got, definitely got um, poor takedown defense compared to Rory McDonald, uh, and Daly is always looking for that knockout. So he's been susceptible against wrestlers before. I'm I'm just going to predict it now. Oh, Lima is actually hard to look past, isn't he? Well, that's what I was going to mention because that was the first fight tonight, and Lima actually got the submission against. Um, <laughs> Koreshkov. Koreshkov, yeah, Koreshkov. that's right. So he got the submission, and Koreshkov and Lima are both former welterweight champions in the Bellator or under the Bellator banner. Yeah. So those two are legit welterweights. Uh, could both of them could either be in top ten uh, throughout all of MMA. Uh, so um, they wouldn't look out of sorts in uh, in the UFC by any stretch of the imagination. So Lima getting through there, and then on the other side of the bracket, you have uh, who's touted as one of the um, one of the biggest prospects for the Gracie name, uh, and it's Naaman Gracie, uh, and he's been submitting everyone. So apparently, of course, he's well. That's what Gracies do; <laughs> they submit everyone. So he has that. Uh, he's got the name to live up to. Uh, and he's fighting uh, Ed Ruth, who I know is being touted as one of the next big things in welterweight in Bellator. So he's come up through the ranks in Bellator. Well, there's a lot of big things on this particular... Um, this has gone pretty... There's a lot of up-and-comers. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's Lima. You've got someone like Ruth. You've got Roy McDonald on there already. Yeah. You've got... I mean, Paul Daly, I, don't, I really don't see him being Venom Page. No. Uh, but I see him Venom Page versus... Obviously, it's going to be Lima. Yeah. Uh, that's what I'm predicting. And yeah, I just feel that it's going to be a hard match to predict. But if everything goes the way I I would assume that the favourites would go, you'd probably see Venom Page versus McDonald in the end. Well, I will throw a little bit of a uh, contrast to that. And I think it's going to be a uh, rematch of how McDonald got the title in the first place. And he's going to be versing uh, Douglas Lima in the finals. I think Venom Page will probably get past Daly, but I think Lima is, um, he's a legit all-round fighter, and I don't think that Venom Page has versed anyone uh, to that stature yet. So, I could be wrong, Uh, I have been before, and I will be again, Uh, but I think uh, until Venom Page proves it against a truly legit, world-class, top 10 guy, I can't give him that ride to the final yet. So, no, of course not. I mean, so, he hasn't really versed that top, top end. Oh, not even close. I don't think he's versed uh, 
consider a top 20. Um, he's finally versing Paul Daly, who would struggle to get into the top 10 in welterweight in the UFC. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, um, yeah, so we've got to see if we can get past him first. And Daly, there's no pushover, especially when you're going to strike with him. If he strikes with Daly, you play with fire, sometimes you get burnt. It's actually a good way of doing things. UFC doesn't do this sort of thing. Um, I would they, love it. I was yeah. thinking that earlier today. It's very objective. Like, yeah. if you win you make it through the next round. Yeah. There's no popularity contest with, oh, you brought in more views, therefore we'll give you a title shot. It's, yeah. you win, you you get to the end. That's right. It I does, it like does, yeah, it, is, does well. it does make it a bit more interesting and a little bit uh, more objective for the fighters. There's a bit more understanding of, I suppose, where fighters sit and, and how they prepare. And it does give, it does give everyone an idea of, I suppose, uh, where everyone's sitting as far as skill-wise, experience-wise, and, you know, how they're preparing for fights. I like it. I like it too. And one thing I was going to mention, and I'm not 100% sure how this goes, but I'm not sure if Rory McDonald loses against John Fitch if he loses his title too. I would like to think he would because I think that makes it more, more beneficial because in previous times when Bellator's had these Grand Prix's, which they used to, and they used to call them seasons, so it'd be season one of Bellator, and they'd have a they'd have a similar bracket, and at the end of the season, whoever won the final would fight the champ. The problem with that was, is it would leave the champ really inactive, because he would have to wait for someone to have a minimum of three fights before they could fight him. Um, so, but having it this style, having the champ actually in the bracket, gives the champ an opportunity to one, defend his title against high level opponents, but also gives the um, the others to work their way towards a title shot and actually earn it. So but I but at the same time, does John Fitch deserve a title shot? Well, if he's in the bracket, he deserves one because you've got to think those are the top eight guys or the top seven guys. Yeah, but usually so, if you're, let's say Fitch is ranked, actually I don't know what he's ranked, but let's just say he's ranked eighth, seventh or eighth, right? Yeah. Let's say seventh. That means, and then someone like Lima will probably be ranked in uh, first or second or third. Yeah. I assume. Therefore, why would a rank one or two not get a title shot over John Fitch that might oh, be rated? Oh, sure, because you because you would rank the bracket. So if you had like, you know, one through eight, you're not going to put one versus two in the first fight. You're okay. going to have a bracket. It'd be like the same as tennis or or World Cup, any sort of bracket they do. They're never going to put one and one, and you'd have to assume that Lima is number two because he was the former champion. You're not going to put them on the same side of the bracket. Okay. So that they don't meet beforehand. So then ultimately you would have the two best fighters at the end and then anything can happen in fighting. The, uh, the thing that um, I would find really hard to stomach would be if, say for instance, McDonald loses against John Fitch, but he gets to keep his title. See, because if you're the Grand Prix champion... You beat the champion. You should be the champion. The champion. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that makes it makes Rory look even worse because if he loses against, he's already lost against Gagard. Then loses against John Fitch, and then still, I mean, he's lost two fights, and he's lost two fights in a row, and still has lost his title. That's strange. And then he would get to the, he would have to verse the winner of the Grand Prix. And then if he loses, he's lost three times in a row, and then he lost his title once. That's ridiculous. So. It doesn't really look good for Rory unless he really delivers. So I'm hoping that it is actually a title fight um, each time that he fights in the bracket 
and then obviously the final would be the um, you know his his hardest test because he'll be uh, he'll be versing the person who's made it through on the other side of the bracket. So um, yeah, it should be uh, it should be really interesting. I think it's going to be great. Yeah, so um, that's uh, that's exciting prospects, um, and uh, and Bellator's looking good. This is their deepest division. They've all got, they've got some quality opponents in there. So yeah. I think um, yeah, look for more news on Bellator's welterweight tournament. It's um, definitely heated up, and it's um, yeah, it's got me watching it uh, more often and following their news, and especially with um, Gegard because I'm a bit of a fan of Gegard. Actually, I've seen quite a few of his fights. Not fifty of them, but. Definitely a lot of them. Nah, definitely yeah. not. It's yeah. hard to watch that. But I've watched a lot of his career and he's, um, he's quite a good fighter. Yeah, fighting yeah. in pride, fighting in strike force, fighting for the UFC, yeah. now fighting for Bellator. He's one of the uh, few guys who's fought top-level competition in all, um, all the competitions he's always been in. So he's... Uh, yeah, he's definitely a super experienced guy and he's going to go down as uh, one of the legends of MMA. So tell us some more news. Oh, what have you got well, for us, Aaron? Some, uh, he's got some current news in MMA. Uh, we need some music now. It's like, do 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 We're going to work on that eventually once one of us figures out how to do technical stuff. Or once we can attract someone to come and help us. So staying on the Bellator bandwagon for now, uh, we have Michael McDonald. So Michael McDonald used to be a former UFC bantamweight uh, title contender. Uh, he fought against uh, Henan Burrell for the interim title, which he lost back when Henan Burrell was, uh, Actually was good. a bad man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he also fought against Uriah Faber and lost, but he won the majority of his UFC fights. He, uh, he's retiring at age 27, which you might out there think, that's pretty young to retire. Uh, and he has a record of 19 and 4. And, um, and also in his last fight, he actually won by knockout in 58 seconds against the former bantamweight uh, champion of, um, of Bellator, Eduardo Dantes, who's, um, who's a legit fighter. I've seen him fight a few times. Uh, he's fought in some of, those, um, some of those seasons, as I mentioned before, in uh, Bellator, and that's how he actually won the title. Uh, or I believe that's how he won the title. Um, so to uh, retire after that fight uh, can be a little bit strange, but one of the things that you may not know about Michael McDonald is he has had a lot of broken hand problems. Uh, so he's actually only fought four times in the last five years. Uh, and um, I believe each time he's fought, uh, he's managed to break his hand. And this is a thing that can happen to a lot of MMA fighters. Is it the way he's throwing his ha- uh, throwing his punches? Or I don't know if it's is he just, breaking his thumb or is he making I'm his not knuckles? Sure which part of hand he's uh, breaking? But I know that um, that he's had at least three or four surgeries on it, and um, and I know this is something that can affect a lot of fighters. It affects uh, Fedor Emelianenko too. He's broken his hands a few times, um, and I think sometimes people just punch too hard for their hands. I, I think the way Fedor throws punches, um, he throws his hands with reckless abandonment. Yeah, <laughs> and I, you know, I've seen him land punches on some big dudes, um, and the way he throws his techniques does leave him exposed on his um, his knuckles yeah. and his um, also around his thumb. I think Whitaker has thrown a few, and obviously he broke his hand too. Yeah. And I think sometimes the awkward angles you would throw it uh, to try to get through people's guards or their opponent's guard especially when they put their elbow up. I mean, 
you can really put some uh, damage on yourself by just trying to break someone's guard with you know throwing over hands or especially the 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 hooks i think that's where you can do a lot of damage to your to your hands uh, but if you're landing on people's uh, cranium or, or yeah. on the top of their head, uh, it's a very hard spot of your head. So if you're landing punches when someone's ducking into you, uh, that's going to cause you damage. It could be one hit, it could be five hits, but you know, obviously these guys are training every day basically. Sure. So the amount of stress that they would get throughout their hands. And in competition, the adrenaline is not going to dictate to them to stop it's actually gonna they're not gonna feel any pain no. so i can understand why they get so many injuries around their hands um being with four inch gloves too it's yeah yeah well i think that's something that um that if you listen to the uh joe reagan experience which uh, both Pablo and myself uh like to do um you'd hear uh, joe reagan mentioning that um that the hands are um, not designed to hit as hard as they are when they're wrapped and in uh in those little gloves um, and so that means that people can throw uh, a caution to the wind and just um, and just start loading up really hard. And then you get those things like Carlo just mentioned before, where if you're hitting on top of the cranium, uh, if you're hitting at the wrong angle, uh, if you're hitting the tip of someone's elbow when they're blocking. Ooh, and I've actually done that before, and that freaking hurts. Yeah, yeah. That, those kinds of things um, you don't think about as much, and that, and that can lead to. So I'm not sure what the uh, the actual... Uh, causes of all his broken hands are, but um, but yeah, it's sad to see a uh, a good um, a good fighter who's um, who's a young age and, and hasn't taken uh, a whole lot of punishment. Uh, it's it's uh, sad to see him retire through injuries, but apparently he's going to go into uh, carpentry, uh, which is something I'd like to do. <laughs> no, no, he's going into carpentry. Apparently, he's been uh, doing. Uh, Woodwork for the past seven years. He's a cabinet maker, makes his own types of things. So, good luck to Michael McDonald, and thanks for the memories. It's uh, it's been awesome to see some of your knockouts. He had he did not look like the type of bloke who had knockout power when you looked at him. He looked very unassuming. Yeah, Michael, and you're also welcome on the podcast. Oh, uh, if you're out anytime, there, anytime, yeah. anytime. We would love uh, we would love that, and um, and yeah, and it brings back to this uh, this thought that we have sometimes that. Uh, some people are just born with knockout power. You can train your whole life and you just may not be able to knock people out. And then some people do the exact same sort of training and they are just destroyers. And Michael McDonald was one of those. He was a guy who fought at 61 kilos, 135 uh, bantamweight, uh, sorry, 135 pounds. And he could light people up. I'm pretty sure the majority of his victories were uh, were by knockout. So yeah, look, an example of a person that doesn't have knockout that's a big guy was back in the day, Forrest Griffin. Oh yeah, Forrest Griffin. <laughs> like he's a good dude, and I don't want to attack anything because he's actually I actually liked seeing him fight. I saw his whole career. Yeah. But man, that guy could not knock anyone out. Yeah. He was and he was you know borderline sitting on around 100 kilo dude. Oh, he definitely would have cut weight to. Um, he would have been going in that cage at 100 kilos for sure. And he, he was massive. And there's no, and he missed the land. And it's just, I couldn't believe he wasn't able to put him on on their ass. Really, I, I think it must have been a combination of uh, him not sitting down on his punches, and then also, um, yeah, just well, just some people have it, and some people don't. Yeah, you got someone like Anthony Rumble Johnson, who everyone he touches just falls asleep. Yeah. Besides DC, when he made him do a cartwheel backwards. Yeah, but uh, that's credit to DC for being one of the toughest SOBs on the planet. 
We love DC. <laughs> we want him on the podcast. Yeah, DC, you're definitely welcome. Yeah, DC, you are. You've got the green light. And I will buy the donuts. Do you know, um, just so you know, my brother yeah, actually met way. DC. Oh, yeah, it was a photo. Awesome. Yeah, he had a photo with him. Oh, so. Well, so when, uh, when it's uh, gonna happen. Paul's brother comes back, uh, we'll get him on the podcast. We'll uh, find out what wise words were said from DC. Heavyweight champion, come to yeah, Aussie MMA champ, panel. Champ. Woo! The champ champ. <laughs> we believe you're the champ champ. And since we're on the topic of champ champ, one of the things that I would like to mention is there's been a little bit, actually not a little bit, there's been a lot of animosity to, between John Jones and Daniel Cormier recently. Uh, throughout their whole careers, actually. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, they really, really don't like each yeah, other. Yeah, it's very rare that you get two athletes that actually hate each other, but these two hate each other. And I think it's funny because you have someone who has the integrity that Daniel Cormier has, uh, Olympic wrestler, um, you know, gone through all these trials and tribulations in his career, uh, lost his daughter. Um, you know, uh, he's gone through hardship. Yeah, he's gone through hardship. Uh, had his kidneys fail while he was training for the Olympics. Uh, all these kinds of things, and then you have John Jones, who is uh, genetically gifted, um, obviously obsessed uh, to the point of being uh, very disciplined in his art. Also, one of the first kind of new breed of MMA stars. Uh, the ones that, um, although he came from a wrestling background, he really showed that kind of like, I've been doing, um, you know, the real true mixed martial arts uh, and, um, and just a phenomenal athlete, but has a little bit more of that, um, that reckless uh, style of life. Uh, yeah. which um, which has been his uh, major downfall. It seems to be the only thing that can, uh, can defeat him, so... So recently, um, John Jones just uh, got, uh, got off his uh, suspension uh, for testing positive for Tyranobol, I believe it was. It's a steroid metabolite. Yeah, so mm. it was a very small thing. Um, I don't think many people are under the impression that uh, John Jones takes steroids, except for Colby Covington, because apparently he's got the, uh, the insider version of everything. Well, he's got the inside scoop of everyone yeah, and everything. Yeah, and if you want to know anything, just ask Colby. He's a, he's a shit talker. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so basically Jones is back after 15 months when he was facing 48 months or four years in layman's terms uh, off. And one of the reasons that uh, he got that time off uh, apparently or allegedly uh, was because he um, he was going to provide some information to USADA. Now USADA said that they weren't uh, going to release anything that uh, that he says to them and it's all in confidence but basically they were saying that part of the reason he got off is because he's going to be a snitch. <coughs> Pardon me. So... Is, it, is this conjecture? I mean, is this... Well, the world... Who, who, who's actually come out and said this? Well, Cormier said it. Oh, one, come on. But I believe... Um, I can't remember where I've read it, but it's part of the reason. USADA has this clause that basically says if you help them identify other drug cheats or other people who are trying to take advantage of the system they can give you a reduced sentence on your thing. So it's basically kind of like 
you know, if you go to jail and you yeah. say, oh, you know, you were in the mafia and and um, we're looking to get bigger people, you know, we're looking to get, you know, the suppliers or whatever, or you bring people down, we'll let you off easier. <laughs> so, so you know, in a way, it's it's a similar kind of thing, allegedly. Um, so John Jones' manager came out and said it's, it's nothing like that. Um, I don't think John Jones has refuted it completely yet. Uh, so there's, look, where there's smoke, there's fire. So there could be an element of truth that he may be uh, saying things. But basically what's happened is Daniel Cormier, he's, um, he's um, trying to take a little bit of time off before the Lesnar fight. Um, so he, I don't know if he's taken himself out of the drug testing pool in regards to um, USADA, but he... Um, Apparently, he, uh, there was, they were trying to call him and he posted this thing on Instagram or, or Twitter or something uh, saying that, you know, uh, he didn't want to answer USADA's phone calls. Now, I'm sure that's not because he's trying to take drugs or anything like that. He's probably just focusing on his, his commentating career and obviously he wants to fight uh, Brock Lesnar because that's the big payday for him. I don't even uh, think he needs to train for it. I think he's yeah, going to smash Brock Lesnar. Yeah, we're both of the opinion that he's going to smash Brock Lesnar. Although Brock Lesnar, more than welcome on the podcast. Oh, Brock Lesnar, you're I'll definitely... I'll get the stakes ready. <laughs> I will go down to Aldi. I will get whatever you want. But anyway, back to... But if, if Brock Lesnar wins, I'll barbecue your uh, horse steak. A whole pig. Okay, a whole pig. A wild one. Um, yeah, so basically what uh, John Jones has, has wrote a big thing about Daniel Cormier saying, you know, um, you don't want to go... Uh, be with Yasada because because um, you don't want to fight me. But the fact is that uh, you can't, um, you know, you you can't beat me and it kills you. You know, so you're trying to avoid me and and your day is coming and, and I'm going to knock you out again. Blah 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 blah. And so Daniel Cormier has re- <coughs> retorted and said basically that um, that uh, John Jones is uh, is a snitch. And that uh, he's that uh, Daniel Cormier has been tested seventy times, and that he um, has never failed a test. And John Jones got his thirty month reduction, and blah 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 blah. And um, yeah, so there's a little bit of animosity towards them. Uh, well, not a little, sorry, a lot. Uh, so yeah, so we just got to uh, we'll see what happens. I personally think that we're gonna see John Jones. And uh, Gustafsson fighting for the uh, for the title. Uh, I, I think they're going to have a fight. Uh, it's being lined up for UFC 232, and uh, we'll see if they can uh, can get that going. Uh, I think DC is going to drop his light heavyweight title, um, or they're going to make that the interim title, and then the winner of them, that fight will fight DC in his retirement fight. I really don't see the, the reason for DC wanting to fight John Jones again. I, I just think he wants to get his Brock Lesnar fight. He wants to get paid well and... He deserves you know, to get paid well. Ride out the, the rest of his career on a win, uh, most likely a win, and then just you know do his commentating, do his coaching, whatever he needs to do. Maybe help. Kane get back in the freaking cage and then yeah he's got to do something there but that would be 
I think that would be the, the better ending for himself, bit of a fairy tale ending. Um, and I just, I think if he goes and fights John Jones again, um, maybe I'm a bit biased when I say this, but I think John Jones is going to beat him again. He's already done it twice. He does it three times. It's just, there's no reason for DC to have that fight. It, it's still always going to be a 50 50 in a lot of people's eyes. I still think that John Jones has his number. Mm. I think he has the exact style to beat DC. He's mm. taller. Uh, but his his kicking range, his striking is better. Uh, is in John Jones is better. Uh, his wrestling cancels out Daniel Cormier's wrestling. Mm. Um, he, Daniel Cormier trying to pressure John Jones doesn't work because of the way John Jones fights and he's long. He fights very long, and he doesn't he doesn't stop throwing volume. So the times that DC comes forward and he keeps coming forward, he just gets blocked by a kick, a mm. poking. I'm not poking the eye, but uh, there's going to be pokes in the in the ribs and into the knee, and just uh, constant jabs, and you know there's going to be grappling exchanges. And DC can't do his main weapon. His main weapon is uh, being in that dirty boxing grappling range, standing up. Oh, I'm getting the takedown too. Well, he's not going to get the takedown against yeah, John Jones, John but Jones he actually—I don't think he actually did get one takedown against John Jones in no. two fights in seven rounds. It took him down, yeah, which is unbelievable. Yeah, and um, I just I feel the only way... I mean, the way he uh, knocked out Stipe would be the the only way that uh, he can beat someone like John Jones. It would have to be in those sort of exchanges. He's not going to do it, you know, going to ground and pound him out or outstrike him. It's just, I mean, he hasn't done it, and he won't do it. But anyway, I think I'm going off on a rant, but the whole no, point is I don't feel that DC has the right um, mentality... Not mentality. The right strategy to beat someone like John Jones. Uh, I don't know what it would be. I don't know what it would look like uh, because John Jones is a bit undefeated besides Matt Hamill, uh, which is the biggest legend of all time. Matt Hamill. <laughs> um, but anyway, the, I just definitely not listening I, to our podcast. Yeah, DC, love you. I think you're a great fighter, but I don't know if you should fight uh, John Jones again. Fight Brock Lesnar. Um, if if Stepe is around, does he get a rematch? Maybe. Does that happen? Is it worth your time or? your effort to train for it is it worth the right amount of money for you who knows but um i reckon fight brock lesnar and enjoy your enjoy the rest of your career and the rest of your life well i think this is the way that it's gonna go down all right here's the prediction here this we go nostradamus shit yeah. right here i'll see mma panel with aaron right now here we so go we're gonna have jones versus gustafsson at 232 jones is gonna win <laughs> and then we're gonna yeah. have cormier versus lesnar um, early next year, maybe two thirty-three, something like that. It's good. I think they're gonna they're looking for January. Cormier is gonna win that decisively first round, um, and then Cormier's retirement fight is gonna be a heavyweight title defense against John Jones, and John Jones is gonna win the heavyweight title and hold the light heavyweight title and be the next champ champ, and he's actually gonna be defending both titles. All right, so my prediction is I don't feel like it's going to go that way at all. (laughs) (laughs) I think it might be it might be uh, Gosterson versus John Jones, and I'm going to say John Jones will win. Great, let's do that. Uh, But I feel that for some reason it's going to be John Jones versus Brock Lesnar. I really think that's going to fight. You know why? I sorry, that's going to happen. Reason being is because John Jones. 
wanted that fight before DC did. Yeah. DC wants to do that fight because John Jones wanted that fight. And I feel that nah, John Jones... it's the money fight. It's because he I think, knows that they could get like a million pay-per-views. Who do you think would make... Yeah, but who would... Who would... Um, who would the UFC would make more money off Jones versus Brock rather than DC versus Brock. Oh, for sure. But and I so feel you, if John think... Jones is going to ask, if he asks for that fight and pushes for that fight, I reckon he'll get it. He's not going to get it over Cormier. Oh, I think he will. No way. I think he will. Yours Why is not? more far-fetched than mine. <laughs> you think they're going to stab Cormier in the back? He's a UFC commentator. He's I think, like a, I think he's, DC's going to get... I think he mm. might get injured. I think something's going to happen. Nah, that's why he's chilling. That's why he's doing what he's doing. I don't now. know. So I that he's know. ready. That's why he doesn't want to defend the title before um, he fights Lesnar. He wants that Lesnar fight so he gets his guaranteed paycheck, whatever it's going to be, 5 mil, 10 mil. I'm not 100% sure. But it's going to be a big paycheck. By far his biggest. <coughs> and then he's either going to defend the light heavyweight title one more time or the heavyweight title one more time because he said that he was going to retire in March. And, and also, there's been quite a few fighters who have said they're going to retire and then renege on that deal or come out of retirement. Uh, I think AKA DC sticks to his word. Chuck Liddell. Yeah, I think DC sticks Yeah. GSP. Uh, who else? Nick Diaz. Nate Diaz. Uh, Conor McGregor retired for about three minutes. Um, you know, there was, there's been so many fighters who have retired and then come back out of retirement. So, um, yeah, but if he does do the smart thing and finishes up in March, how he said he would, he said he wanted to finish up, I think it was his 42nd birthday or something along that, or his 40th birthday, I can't remember. It's 40th. <coughs> um, and then right off into the sunset. Uh, he will probably have to verse Jones again, I reckon. I know he said he's past that fight, but it's just going to be there. And it's so a fight DC has make. healed his soul since then. Yeah, <laughs> okay. I, don't think he, I don't think he can ever heal your soul that much. It's just he has that competitive spirit. It's kind of like that Ronda Rousey thing where you know that it's always deep. That's why she had to quit. So you know, so you know what John deep. Jones needs to do? He needs to do what uh, Dan Henderson did with Bisping and get the silhouette of him diving onto Bisping's face <laughs> as his logo, but have uh, Jones kicking Daniel Cormier as his oh. as his logo, and you know that will spur DC like nothing else, and then uh, you'll see that fight. Yeah, but <laughs> I don't know if Jones will do that because uh, he is once again and this happens probably every week he gets a born again Christian sort of faith happening mm. so he probably won't do something like that but you never know it could happen and also uh, I'd just like to apologise to uh, <laughs> Matt Hamill for the bad joke I made before about him not listening to the podcast uh, so yeah apologies <laughs> I didn't realise you said that apologies for that Matt sometimes I make bad jokes you're a top like in that and you're an also welcome on the podcast oh definitely welcome on the podcast <laughs> yeah um, yeah, so uh, some more news. So I think, yeah, that pretty much uh, that covers uh, John Jones and Daniel Cormier. We also have Nate Diaz versus Dustin Poirier. And if you've been following this in the MMA news, there has been some miscommunication, there has been some, uh, some big comments by the UFC. Uh, and Nate Diaz uh, 
and Dustin Poirier have both said that they're going to be fighting for the 165-pound title, which is currently non-existent in the UFC. And they said that they will be fighting for that at UFC 230. Do you know what Poirier Poirier said? Mm. He said he wants to fight at, I think the number is 162. The 162-pound title. No, it's 165. No, no, no. But he said he wants to have the 162, 163-pound title. I think it's 162. Yeah. And he was saying it to, I think it was Matt Serra or somewhere else. I was listening to the podcast, basically. Yeah. And he was saying that, you know, it shouldn't be 165. It should be in the middle of uh, the two weight classes. That's the numbers in between. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I think the joke was uh, 162 and a half, actually. Yeah, so that's, you know, that should be the, that should be the new title. I, I really don't think they need to do that. I think it just it just makes that weight category be split up and then you're going to have people going for uh, being the champ champ all the time and I think it loses prestige. Well, see, I disagree. Oh, of course you do. Because that's what I do. <laughs> and I think that it would be a really good idea to have the 165 division and then relocate the 170 division to 175 to make those 10 pound jumps. So I think, and I don't actually think this is gonna happen. I think Nate Diaz and Dustin Poirier are fighting at 155 at UFC 230 uh, because uh, that's the contract they signed according to Dana White. So Dana White's come out and refuted uh, these claims that there's gonna be a 165 title. But Dana White said a lot of things before. He also said women would never fight in MMA. He's also said, I'll never book this fight again, and then booked it. He's also said, I don't want to work with Conor McGregor, and then worked with Conor McGregor again. So it's, um, he's, he's a promoter. He's always looking at, um, at ways that he can, uh, sell, he fights. can sell fights. So, um, so if, if it's the right decision for the company, he will do it. Uh, I think it is a really good idea because if you have a 165 title and a 175 title, you're going to have some people who are really depleting themselves at lightweight be able to fight much better at 165. And also you're going to have people who are undersized at 170 be able to fight at 165. Uh, you're going to have the opportunity of having more of those uh, super fights or champ champ fights, uh, which is going to be really good. And also one of the key things that may sway him is, and this would be a big money maker for the UFC, if Nate Diaz pulls off the victory against Dustin Poirier, which I don't necessarily think he will. I but, think he will. But, well, it's a, it's a tough one. If he, if he does... Uh, he will be the 165 champion and two of the biggest pay-per-views, actually the two biggest pay-per-views ever, have been Conor McGregor versus Nate Diaz. Now, Conor McGregor has won the 145 title. Conor McGregor has won the 155 title. Mm -hmm. He didn't lose either of those titles. I think it would not take a lot to get Conor McGregor to fight Nate Diaz for the 165 title. Uh, and it would be a hell of a promotion. It would be a record-breaking pay-per-view. It would give Conor McGregor the chance to be borderline the greatest fighter in UFC history if he won that third title, even regardless of the fact that he has never defended a title. Um, so I think money-wise, 
uh, company-wise, it makes sense. I don't think it's going to go down the way they want it to. I don't think, you know, Nate Diaz and Poirier saying, oh, we want to fight for this title after they've signed a contract to fight 155. I don't think it's going to happen like that. But I think in the long run, it would be a really good idea to have that 165 division. Uh, it's going to put less pressure on weight cuts. Um, and look, there is enough talent in the UFC to have an extra division there. At that weight range, yeah. I will agree there is a lot of talent. And if it was spread out, I don't know if it's spread out too thin. That's always going to be up for, for debate. Um, I don't feel like they need to create another weight class to create more uh, excitement. I think that those two particular, all those three, but you've got your, your welterweights, you've got your um, your featherweights, and you've also got your lightweights. I didn't say that in order. Mm. But basically, I feel like there's a lot of competition in those areas already. Mm. Uh, having another belt, does it bring in new fans? That's what it really comes down to. Does it bring in new fans? If it does, maybe. Having more titles usually means more money on pay-per-views because when there is a title for grabs, it usually means that there's a better chance of them having um, uh, more money coming in besides the Connor and Nate fight. I mean, there's not many. I mean, that's an anomaly. Yeah. Uh, that fight was only popular because Conor McGregor was in it. For sure. He could have been fighting anyone yeah. um, and that would have been popular. Yeah, so, I'm pretty sure the fight he had with Eddie Alvarez was like in the top five all time. Yeah, and that was so, a title fight, obviously. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Dana White, if you want to discuss it, you, <laughs> you're going to have to speak to Aaron about it because yeah. um, he's the one who's <coughs> got the rationale behind Look, it. Look, I think it's a really good idea. Um, um, I'm pushing for it. I think it's uh, there's enough. Yeah, there's definitely enough fighters. Lightweight has traditionally been the most stacked division, and it has a lot of fighters in it. And I think losing, you know, four or five good fighters at lightweight, and losing four or five good fighters at welterweight, is not going to have a huge impact on either of those uh, divisions. Uh, because there's always going to be contenders coming through, and that just seems to be more of the uh, the natural weight class of the average person who becomes a fighter. It just seems like that's where they have the most fighters. That's where fighters tend to fall into that category. It's between that 145 to 170 kind of range where you seem to get um, to get a lot of fighters and a lot of talented fighters. Uh, so. Yeah, so I'm for it, but that doesn't mean anything. So, yeah, that was just a little bit of uh, interesting stuff. I'll give you Dana's number. You can give him a call tomorrow. I will. I, will. Yeah. I would love to call him. Uh, he would be like, who the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, also, I uh, wanted to uh, just talk quickly about um, the possibility of GSP returning. Boom. Yeah. Oh, so, sound effects, man. We need them. So, apparently, GSP is in... Uh, is in really good condition. He's, uh, he's getting over his medical issues from the Bisping fight. If you didn't know about that, uh, he fought for the title against Michael Bisping. He, uh, during the fight camp, he got basically diverticulitis or some sort of colitis, which is uh, basically ulceration of the, um, the intestines and stuff like that, which is obviously not a good thing for a fighter to have. Um, not a good thing for anyone to have. And it causes a lot of inflammation and then it causes a lot of uh, stress on the body. So, um, 
Yeah, so basically he went into that fight uh, not 100%, still managed to win the title because uh, he is a bad mofo. And, um, and now he's looking to uh, return to fighting uh, as his coach, Faraz Zahabi said, uh, for the juiciest offer. So that could be a uh, Conor McGregor fight. That could be a Khabib Nurmagomedov fight. That could be a Tyrone Woodley fight. Um, I've even put down the name Ben Askren. If you don't know who Ben Askren is, uh, he's an undefeated welterweight who retired uh, maybe a year ago. Um, And um, he's touted as one of the best welterweights never to fight in the UFC. Uh, The the reason why he won't fight uh, Ben is because, like GSP said... It's about who has the highest stuck. Yeah. Right now, Bisping has the highest stuck. Yeah. So he would fight Bisping. How, how was that? An accent? Was it a good accent? Was it was a good yeah. accent. So I don't feel like Ben has the highest stuck. I feel like someone like Conor McGregor or oh. Khabib, depending on the outcome of the, the, the fight coming up, depending on the outcome of that, that will determine who has the highest stuck. But I will say that I don't think that GSP, when he says the highest stock, is always talking about specifically money. Because he has a lot of money already. He doesn't need to fight for money. Oh, I, I know money would play a factor in that. It could be 50%. It's a, it's the other a factor, factor is, that it's obviously the legacy. Look, so yeah, see, it really has the title. The so if Conor has the title, he'll fight for that title. If Khabib has the title, he'll fight Khabib. I don't feel like he'll not win either of those fights I feel like he'll win either of those fights for sure even um, at 155 absolutely absolutely he, he beat Bisping yeah. <laughs> right? I, I agree he's the he's yeah. borderline the greatest fighter ever to and, and everyone here fight. wants to argue that oh well Bisping's not the best blah 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 he's a much bigger fighter oh he's a big guy than, yeah. than either Khabib or Connor oh, yeah. so if anyone wants to make the argument that Connor will beat Bisping he's a, he's, that's a fucking joke yeah, that's not going to happen no, no way. fucking way Bisping would smash him any day of the week yeah um, but anyway that's a different story but yeah. the whole point is if he can beat someone like uh, Bisping in a in a I mean pretty dominant fashion the way he did it and he's been the most dominant welterweight of all time and he wants to fight whoever it may be. Let's say it was Connor. I reckon he would he would just destroy him. There would be no chance of uh, Connor winning that fight. Uh, I don't think it'd even land a strike. Uh, that could possibly happen with the Khabib fight on this uh, coming weekend. Um, but I feel like he'd be able to outpoint Khabib with uh, with strikes. Mm-hmm. I don't feel. Yeah, it would be an interesting. Yeah. I actually would yeah. find that fight a lot more interesting having Khabib versus uh, GSP. Yeah, um, I think that that's the fight to make. It's not the the money fight that um, that McGregor GSP would be. That would be phenomenally huge. That would probably be the the biggest fight. But this is the fight that will put Khabib on the the stratosphere of stardom. Yeah. So if he can win this fight, depending how he wins. Uh, and how everything goes down most if, likely dominant fashion yeah if it, if it happens the way it happens uh, that you know a lot of Khabib fans and a lot of people are predicting the way it's going to happen then Khabib is probably going to be the biggest star in UFC Connor will lose a lot of his flame um, but he'll still uh, have that star status oh he will but the thing is if he gets ragdolled the way some people or a lot of people think it's going to happen I don't know if the majority of people think that way but definitely a lot of people think that way. He's going to get ragdolled. If it does happen that way, Connor's going to lose a lot of fans because 
you don't want people followed more than anything, more than personality, more than just knockouts. They follow winners. It's true. It's true. Winners have the most followers. But then there's always the uh, the exception to that with like Demetrius Johnson, who's a phenomenal winner and just didn't have the followers. And I'll give you another example. Yeah, okay. Throw, it can I'm be gonna, it can be proven wrong. I'm going to throw some numbers at you right now. Yeah. That I was a bit disappointed to read, and um, so the early estimates for the Darren Till Woodley pay per view buys mm. was less than one hundred and fifty thousand. Oh, really? Which is quite disappointing a number. Um, it's I think it was the second lowest of the year. The lowest was uh, Nunes versus Pennington. Yeah, okay. Um, which kind of makes sense because um, female MMA has not been around for anywhere near as long as male MMA, so it's harder to promote them. And obviously, after losing Ronda Rousey, who was by far the biggest draw in women's MMA, it's uh, it's a tricky one to. Well, the reason why it was, she was so popular is because she was very dominant and a winner and had to be very good looking. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. And not to say that some of the female fighters around are not as good looking, but um, that lethal combination of being, you know, beautiful blonde that could just kick ass was just the right recipe for popularity. Definitely, definitely. And she promoted herself well too. Oh, absolutely. Had, yeah. She had that, uh, that mentality. And, and just to go on a bit of a tangent here, I think they should be promoting the fuck out of Amanda Nunes because, firstly, she's a destroyer. Mm-hmm. Anyone who she gets in the cage with, she is gonna, um, she's going to put in a hell of a fight and uh, she seems to have got over her issues of cardio. She paces herself much better. She, um, she seems to use, um, like, expend her energy a lot better. And also, she's uh, an openly gay athlete. And in 2018, that's something that is uh, that is highly promotable. You know, yeah, you can get a lot of fans yeah. utilizing uh, those promotion tactics. I feel like the MMA sits on the on the I suppose on the the right side of things. I don't feel like that it gets promoted in the I suppose in the stratosphere of other world sports because it is cage fighting it is a bit more brutal so i don't feel like oh, she's in that oh, it's right still definitely light to get that sort of fame i'm pretty yeah. sure they they had something uh not too long ago where a lot of the uh the athletes were wearing like uh rainbow things and stuff yeah. in support for uh for gay marriage and all those kinds of things. absolutely so, that's good so i think um get on board ufc promoter there's, yeah. there's a few openly gay athletes, and um, and it is 2018, so let's uh, let's promote them. Let's get some of the fans. Let's get some of the LGBTQI. QIs, yeah. Oh, there's, let's there's get a, some a, of those over. This is definitely not a political um, statement to anyone, but it's nah, um, this is no, this it's, is just it's about fun. getting more fans into MMA. We're about MMA. Yeah. And the more people who watch MMA, my my dream one day would be to watch MMA at the Olympics. I reckon that would be phenomenal. I think it is the, one of the most purest sports that you could ever watch. Um, people who think it's just about being barbaric uh, and have obviously not invested the time in getting to know the athletes or getting to know the actual uh, essence behind the sport. It is, it's martial arts at its purest form. It's the competition of martial arts. 
Uh, so um, if they watch someone like GSP yeah. and Anderson Silva and many other athletes that are the example of not just the physicality but also the attitude, mentality, the the discipline, the overall um, holistic view they have, um, I think they would definitely be surprised on on how far these athletes have taken themselves and really taken away from the whole thug life sort of thing and really made it an MMA pure sport. Oh, the the life that a fighter has is a it's they've got to give up everything to achieve their goals. They have to be disciplined to a level that rarely people are going to get to. They have to uh, they have to be committed. They have to have all these different combinations of um, of skill sets of. Uh, of yeah of attitudes of um of capabilities and then it's all got to go right on that night and then to think that someone can live that life and they're just a thug or they're just a um or they're just being barbaric or anything like that is uh it's not a very objective uh, thought process because i think if you if you listen to a lot of these guys talk they're just family guys just like i am um, just like a lot of people are out there, they want to spend time with their kids, they want to play video games, they want to go out fishing on the weekends. Hunting, TJ Dillashaw. Yeah, they want to go hunting, they want to um, spend time with their wives, they want to provide for their families. Um, and it just so happens that they've chosen a different path to the average person. And uh, in a world where we have uh, reality TV stars like the Kardashians and and stuff like that and people are um people are giving those people millions of dollars through their obsession of that it's a shame that uh people are so quick to judge fighters as a negative thing and i think fighting has helped a lot more people than the kardashians have yeah um because you get a lot of people who don't have a lot of hope who um who maybe struggle and they can learn discipline through martial arts and then test themselves and um and yeah i think it's an amazing thing and i think we should uh we should end the podcast on that yeah actually is there any other quick news i think there was something else you had not really no that was pretty much covering uh covering most of it i can't um i can't remember anything else well prediction nate versus uh dustin one last time uh, for well, look, we'll probably have another podcast before that fight, but um, early early days, I'm going to say Dustin. Uh, main reason being is Nate's been out for two years. Um, over the last four years, I think he's only fought Conor McGregor. Um, I don't necessarily think that's the best preparation. Uh, I, I know that he's definitely fit enough. I know that he trains hard. He lives the life of a, um, of a mixed martial artist, but... Uh, I think that that time in the octagon, octagon, not octagon. Uh, the time in the octagon is um, is important, and Dustin's been fighting the best fighters, and he's been beating the best fighters. Uh, so um, yeah, I think uh, that would um, yeah, I think it would be a close fight, but I think Poirier will win by decision. And uh, well, what are your thoughts on that fight? Um, I think Nate Diaz wins. Um, and I'm going to say submission, fourth round. Submission, fourth round. Yeah. 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 I think it's going to be a slobber knocker for 
you know, that three rounds, the fourth rounds, I think that uh, Poirier will slow down and eventually I think it will end, go on the floor from, you know, it's exhaustion and I think he'll get the... He's going to come over the top. He's going to... Over the top. Over the and top. He's going to get the submission. Movies ever. <laughs> <laughs> no offence to Alessa Stallone. Yeah. You were good in it. Yeah, you were good. It was just... Just uh, put your hat on backwards more. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, anyway, Nate to win that fight, but we'll talk about it another time. Yeah. Uh, thanks for listening. Um, and this one was actually a shorter one. It was actually an hour and 23 minutes. Yeah, well, we're going to probably have another one. We've got the uh, UFC 229 coming up this weekend. Uh, we've got Aaron he goes for Khabib yeah. and what was your, do you have a prediction on how he's going to win I think it's going to be a first round submission uh, or actually do you know what I'm starting to lean towards him wanting to really hurt McGregor and I, I don't necessarily always agree with that but I think McGregor's probably crossed a few lines that uh, Khabib uh, is not fond of uh, insulting his father uh, insulting his religion to a degree um, or allegedly, anyway. Oh, it was um, very indirect with the offering of alcohol. Yeah, I know, I know that. I think, so I think, I think, I think Connor was actually probably a little bit drunk and didn't know what he was even talking about. Definitely, yeah. there's definitely as, but uh, could be may take that to offence. Maybe he doesn't at all. Maybe he just. I don't think he did. Clown. I just think he didn't. He said no, I don't drink alcohol, and that was it. I don't think it went any further than that. Yeah. I think the. Yeah, the, the tabloids will tell you something different, but I didn't read into it too much. Yeah, well, I just think um, he, if he has the first round that I think he's going to have uh, and being able to control Connor on the floor and um, and basically if he does get up, he's going to be able to take him back down again quite quickly. I think that um, he may feel quite comfortable and uh, look to extend this fight and actually... Um, put a bit of a beating on McGregor. So uh, so I'm going to change my prediction to a second round uh, submission. Second round submission towards the end of the round. It'll be... I think it'll be the same way you beat uh, Johnson, Michael Johnson. Yeah. Uh, and that was by Kimura. I feel like you'll get the side control submission um, and, you know, you can play out the fight how you want. Second round and you'll get the Kimura. So Paolo's yeah. jumping on no, the No, ship. no, no, no. Oh, no that's the way, if he's going to win, oh. if he's going to win, that's where you But for the argument's sake, and just because we need a tally of, you know, who's who's winning the more predictions, I'll say Connor's going to win. Uh, it's going to be hard to say it's not going to be a knockout. I think it'll be a TKO. I don't think it'll knock him out cold. I really don't see him knocking him out cold uh, like he did to someone like Aldo. Um, I think he'll win by a TKO. And I think it'll be, I'm going to say, second or third round. And um, just uh, jumping back on that uh, prediction count. Uh, so the last time we uh, we spoke, uh, it was um, oh we'd only picked a couple of fights. Uh, Paulo got uh, one fight wrong. It was the uh, the very first one actually, the Gagey fight. Mm. Uh, and then we both picked uh, Woodley to win. Um, and then uh, Paolo picked uh, Hunt Olenek to uh, to win against Hunt. Yeah. Uh, so that put him uh, up to two out of three. Uh, and then look, I don't I don't want to say I would have picked Santos, um, but I probably would have picked Santos if I knew he was fighting. Oh, here we go. So here I'm going to take on. myself out of that. I'm going <laughs> to take myself out of that and give Paolo the points for that. Alright, because he picked Santos against Manoa, 
and I picked Manoa, but I'm not taking that as a loss because he didn't fight Manoa. All right, so Paolo moved to uh, through, what was it? No, no, we won't, get, we won't include that because it, what, you've got to predict the fight that actually happens. Um, but well, I, did I predict? I didn't predict, uh, predict the other one though. Which one? Anders versus uh, Santos. It was no, only no, 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 no. So no, yeah. I'll go two out of three for now. Yeah, uh, and, we'll oh, have and then we also uh, predicted the uh, the Bellator fight. But I'm willing to give you a pass on that one because I feel like you didn't really want to pick McDonald. No, I didn't. Yeah, so um, I picked him out of out of sheer just be the devil's advocate on that one. So at the moment, we'll keep the score at two one. Um, even Stevens, uh, although I would have picked Santos and McDonald's, <laughs> so I could have technically been obviously Santos and Masashi, which I did pick. Uh, so I could technically be four one, but look, that's good for the listeners. You know that if you want to, um, you want to get out there, you possibly want to have a little wager or something. Uh, if any of the uh, sports bet companies want to sponsor this podcast, <laughs> happy to give some uh, some positive tips. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, I think um, it should be three uh, one to Aaron after Khabib wins. We will see. We will see. Yeah. Oh, we want to know your predictions. So um, yeah. if you can, leave a comment. Leave a comment. Otherwise, um, follow us, and we'll go from there. Yeah, and we'll talk about stuff soon. And we'll, All right, we'll see you again soon after the uh, the next uh, pay per view. Boom. See you soon, guys. Thanks Take, for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.